This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Into hour two, Sportsnet today rolling on this Monday, NHL Award Monday from Nashville, days away from the NHL draft at Bridgestone Arena, and with free agency on the horizon this coming weekend, it is a busy time. Thanks for being along with us, whether live or on the podcast. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Our one weekend recap of all the trades that did and did not go down across the NHL. We didn't even get into a handful of signings that we saw. Still waiting on news from the Calgary Flames after just a really avalanche of news last week about guys leaning towards not re-signing, who's on the trade table for the Flames, who isn't. Uh, We had assistant coaches, Dan Lambert uh, from the Nashville Predators, now on Ryan Huska's staff. He joined Pat uh, on a special edition of Flames Talk from Nashville earlier today. You can find that wherever you get your favorite podcast. But as far as major news goes for the Calgary Flames, we are still in wait-and-see mode. Also chatted with Ken Weeb from Sportsnet in Hour 1, the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. They are right around it when it comes to trade movement. Pierre-Luc Dubois should be on the move soon, whether it's the LA Kings or the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Sure sounds like uh, from Ken's reporting that the LA Kings still remain the favorites in that deal, perhaps uh, centering around a Gabe Velarde return for Winnipeg. Dubois and his camp potentially just in contract negotiation mode right now with the Kings is maybe why we're having a holdup on this deal. Um, no timeline for these two teams to get it done. It's not like it has to be done if there's no first-round pick uh, involved by Wednesday. So they've got a little bit more time to figure out the language in that deal, but expect Pierre-Luc Dubois to be on the move soon. What about Mark Shifley, Connor Hellebuck, etc.? All of that on our chat with Ken, which will be up on the Hour One podcast shortly, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Still to come this hour, we'll have a Jays report with Taylor. We'll have a live stamps report with Matty Rose after the stamps fell to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders over the weekend. Now 0-2 at McMahon Stadium to start the season and dealing with some pretty key injuries heading into a week four bye We'll talk to Matt about all of that and more uh, when we have the Stamps report at uh, eh, about half an hour's time from now. But uh, yes, NHL awards do go this Monday night from Nashville at Bridgestone Arena. Uh, The red carpet has been rolled out. Players, celebrities, executives, all walking the red carpet, including our own celebrity, Pat Steinberg. He is in Nashville for the draft, and we sent him down to the red carpet today. 
to see who he could wrangle, who could Pat grab for a couple moments of his time. And if you'll, if you're a longtime listener to the station, you'll know. Uh, I can't remember what draft it was at, uh, but uh, Pat did pull uh, SNL alumni Keenan Thompson uh, for a chat, and they just they just literally just chatted for like seven or eight minutes. Keenan was hosting the NHL awards. Um, don't know if there's any special celebrity host this year, but uh, yeah, we're hoping for more of the same from Pat. He's got a couple uh, already done. We're expecting more from him as the afternoon goes on, uh, including WWE superstars. If only Peter Klein could have been in Nashville uh, to do this. A four time WWE champion is also apparently a massive hockey fan. Sheamus. This is the kind of people Pat are pulling down on the red carpet. Pat talking with a WWE legend. Let's see what Steinberg and Sheamus talked about on the red carpet from Nashville. Oh, you're a race, yeah. So, uh, did I hear the, the, the Preds got you into hockey? Is it? Uh, yeah, I went, I went to a couple of Lightning games um, when I was in Tampa, but... To be honest with you, it's a kind of like fair weather fan. I wasn't, I don't know, I never really, I never really settled in Tampa, to be honest. It wasn't until I came here, we, it's about the same winter, first game here, Star Wars night. And I wasn't, I think it was just as much as the fans, that the Preds fans, they're such hardcore fans that like, that kind of drew us in as well, right? And, um, and of course, uh, Phil Forsberg's a big Liverpool fan like myself, so there's an instant connection there. And as I said, we're just, we love this city and we love the teams and we're just very engrossed in this city and this community. So it's, you're you're from Dublin. You, yeah. you would have grown up with you know Gaelic games, Gaelic football, Gaelic hurling, football hurling, yeah, rugby. crazy crowds, crazy fans. Yeah. Preds fans, pretty pretty similar, right? I absolutely agree. You know, and I think as well you can talk about the, the Canadian fans are kind of very similar in that respect too. They're very very hardcore fans, especially about their hockey. You know, because um, where we bounce back and forth between the uh, between Canada and US, we do a lot of shows up there, so I you know I can relate to that. So. There's definitely, there's definitely like a connection there coming from Ireland and how we see our sports and how passionate we are about our teams. Like, you grow up supporting a team. Now, I know I came in later at the ice hockey like, with, the, with the Preds, but you do grow up with your team and you're, no matter what happens, rain, sun or shine, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you stick with that team your whole yeah. life. And that's, what I, that's what, the way I feel like sports, sports should be, you know? And again... Pred, the, the Nashville teams are ours for life now. The Preds, Titans, and of course, Nashville SC. That's awesome. So what, what about, uh, like, you really turned into a big hockey fan, hey? Yeah, I love it, man. I like, listen, how can you not go? Like, like you know what I mean? It, it's like, it's so fast-paced, it's so quick. The goals are so skillful. You've got a tiny little goal, like a massive goalie, you know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, like, the skill it takes to do that, you know, it's just incredible to me. It's, and it's, it's just go, 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 and I love that aspect. Stop-start to me is... I don't know. I, I, I get too, uh, you know, yeah. I get too antsy. You know what I mean? I just like the fact that it just keeps going. It's all, it's always, it's always exciting to watch. Uh, and Phil Forsberg, that's uh, that's kind of your guy. Yeah, it's, as I said earlier on, I'm, it's like Phil Forsberg Appreciation Day today. I'm just dropping his name every two seconds. But yeah, Phil Forsberg, awesome fella. I'm delighted he resigned. I'm, I'm delighted for him. And also, I think he got married the same year as us last year as well. Okay. Yeah, so loads, loads are going to come in there. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much, Pat. I appreciate it. Be well. Thank you very much. That is WWE superstar Sheamus, four-time WWE champion. Pat just, just pulling him down on the red carpet. Big hockey guy. Good for him. That's, you know, I, that's not what I was expecting, but you never know who was going to show up on the red carpet. 
A couple of these are a little bit more, we'd say, on brand for what we would expect. But yeah, good for Seamus. He's a big hockey guy. Him and Pat were probably exchanging workout tips. They probably got the same biceps. Both big fitness guys, big hockey guys. Just different accents. That's all it is. Now, this one a little bit more on brand from the red carpet. Even a Flames connection. David Poyle finally stepping down as the GM of the Nashville Predators. Handing things over to longtime head coach Barry Trotz. The Predators have been busy this offseason already. But, of course, Nashville in the spotlight hosting the NHL Awards. Hosting the draft this week. Uh, And David Poyle, one of the members down the red carpet. Pat Steinberg pulled him in because of a Calgary connection. Uh, He joined the Atlanta Flames uh, way back when in the 1970s and would go on to be an assistant GM in the Flames organization five years uh, after joining them. He would leave the Flames to become the VP and general manager of the Washington Capitals, eventually landing in Nashville for the expansion Predators in 1997. So a little bit of a Flames connection as Steinberg chatted with David Poyle on the red carpet in Nashville. Well... I was I, as as you come to the end of your time and and your tenure and and your situation with the Preds. I just go back to your time starting in Atlanta with the Flames and kind of all full circle Atlanta Calgary. I'm just curious as to how you look back at your time with the Flames. Well, uh, it started as a very young guy. Yeah, <laughs> in Atlanta, Cliff Fletcher. I owe uh, that to. He was a general manager and became certainly my my mentor. Uh, the Atlanta thing was great experience for my wife and I or both our kids were born there and two years in Calgary and for me you know Calgary was a huge stepping stone for me to get a NHL job because uh, where Atlanta was not a lot of media coverage and uh, you know not a lot of recognition once we got to Calgary my job was certainly elevated my recognition was elevated the team played well and uh, loved our two years there and was fortunate to get a get a job and as a Washington Capitals general manager. The uh, so you, the the first two years in Calgary as as you had such great success in year one. I just, those those first two years with the Flames in Calgary. What do you remember about those years? All sorts of things uh, from getting up there in the the summer to uh, basically putting the tickets on 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 sale and uh, basically we sold out like in hours and uh, we didn't even have a bank account or what have you. Our scout there, Ian McKenzie, collected all the money. He had it in garbage garbage <laughs> bag in his trunk of his car to uh, being sold out and then putting the uh, uh, standing room only where we put footprints up on the last row of the corral. So there's the off-ice situations. The uh, reception was unbelievable. The interest was, you know, out of this, this world. And then when we, when we played, I mean, I just had never been exposed to anything like that. Basically, when Cliff and I would leave at night, it would be, it would be basically media would be following us out the door to about this, about that. And then by the time we got to work the next day, they were already sitting on the doorstep there waiting to talk to us. So it was, it was great. That's cool. Uh, last question, but, you know, knowing what you mean to this city and, and what the Preds mean to this city, how much does it mean to you to see the awards here and, and to see the draft here and see the NHL kind of take over the city for a week? Yeah, very, very fortunate in the timing for me retiring at this time yeah. and the, us getting the draft, us getting the awards. The 0-3 draft was phenomenal, and the league has really always recognized uh, Nashville as being able to host events and uh, create a lot of interest for the game of hockey. So it's not only for, for Nashville. I think we, we do a good job for the rest of the league in putting on a, a really good show. So it's, it's going to be great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
Former Preds GM David Poyle. And yes, if you missed it, David Poyle with a tie to the Flames organization going back to their Atlanta days, even an assistant GM in the Flames organization before heading off to be the VP and GM of the Washington Capitals for 15 seasons. And then, of course, his long tenure uh, as the GM of the then expansion Nashville Predators in 1997. Pat Steinberg is on the red carpet in Nashville. WWE superstars, NHL execs. What else would you expect in Nashville? Country music superstars, obviously. Uh, Dustin Lynch, one of the many who make Nashville their home. Country music, his thing. Country music, not always Pat's thing. But let's see how Dustin Lynch and Pat Steinberg found it. What they found to talk about uh, on the red carpet in Nashville ahead of the NHL awards tonight. You guys yeah, next week. So is it, you're uh, you're uh, you're playing the uh, music festival. You're playing the Cowboys music festival yep. next week, right? That's right. Yeah, we're back to the Stampede. I'm so excited. Um, we're we're gonna get to travel up there. Get there a day early. So okay. I'll probably find my way to Banff at some fort. Okay. And uh, and then I don't know. I haven't played golf up there yet. We got the golf clubs on the bus right now, so I may play a little golf too. There's uh there's a lot to like. Banff, Canadas. There's some really, really good stuff. To, you should. Uh, you should. You're a big golf guy. Uh, yeah, I, I actually played in college. Okay. And then I hung it up for a long time, and um, recently, as a month ago, I'm starting to dust them back off. So we'll see what happens. You, uh, you've been. You spent spent plenty of time in Calgary. Hey, you. Uh, you know how big a country music town it is, right? Yeah. We and we played the we played the Stampede a time or two before. Um, Calgary's always been so great to us huge party city yeah. and we we like to bring the party when we get on stage so it goes we go hand in hand with some calgary um but it, it's going to be great to be back i mean that's that's such an incredible event um one of the coolest experiences i've been a part of uh you know just traveling the world playing music is the stampede so uh, when we got the call to come back and do it again it was an absolute yes we're coming in and we're gonna come in hot and bring a great show for everybody awesome. and you're uh, you're presenting the vesna tonight right yeah i present the vesna with with pecca renee who's obviously one of our you know legendary preds here in town he's a hero of the city and i'm honored to be up there with him what uh now how how into the preds are you are you a pretty big fan are you uh you get to as many games as you can yeah i try to get to a lot of the games um and it's just what i love about the hockey schedule is it it, it kind of goes hand in hand with ours in a sense that we usually tour the weekends and then get to come home and there's a couple hockey games before we get back out on the road yeah so it's a great way to relax you know our our weekends are usually the first part of the week so we can come down here and catch a game drink some beer and have some fun yeah and last one you talked about presenting with pekka that's got to be pretty cool he's nashville royalty hey he's at yeah i mean it's as big as it gets he's he's one of the city's heroes like i said pekka's um you know he's he's in our eyes the hall of famer you know right now and um i would say in my lifetime i'll get to see a handful of those hopefully if, if we continue on but um but yeah to, to get get to share the stage and then present an award he's won uh, it's just awesome. I'm honored to be uh, be chosen to be up there on stage. And I, I could have picked anybody, and uh, just honored to be up there with him. That's awesome. Thank you. Hope to see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you'll, I'll be there. <laughs> That'll be there. You know that, uh, yeah, Dustin Lynch, uh, obviously a country music star you'd expect to see in Nashville. But, yeah, coming to Calgary on Thursday, July 6th as part of the Cowboys Music Festival, Stampede, right around the corner. And we've got Stampede giveaways uh, for you on the show today. We've been giving stuff away. We were giving super passes away all week, and now just so happens to work out well. Dustin Lynch going to the Cowboys Music Festival, uh, and we've got a giveaway uh, involving Cowboys to get you to today. So get your texting fingers ready at 960-960. The Cowboys Cook-Off Barbecue Invitational, supported by, uh, supported by Calgary Co-op, is back 
featuring Chef Rush. YYC Carnivore, Carnoisseurs, Self-Proclaimed Backyard Grill Masters, and the top of the barbecue food chain are coming together to participate in the Ultimate Barbecue Rib Showdown. Competitors are going to be challenged to make their tastiest pork ribs and beef ribs, all while showing their best team spirit and support. Special guest judges will taste contestants' ribs and announce winners based on best beef, best pork, most unique flavor, best team spirits, and all the proceeds are going to be directed towards the Calgary Stampede Foundation. Gates open at 12. Come on down, hang with your grill friends. Barbecue spectator tickets include invites to stay for the post-barbecue evening concert at Cowboys Music Festival. This is standing room only. You can register your team today. Uh, but we've got a pair of tickets to the Cowboys Cookoff Barbecue Invitational, uh, supported by Calgary Co-op to give away on the show. So Dustin Lynch, one of many going down to Cowboys uh, for Stampede. So what we need to know at 960-960, if you're listening live on the text line, first and last name on the text, uh, what Cowboys musical act are you most excited to see uh, at Stampede this year? Is it Dustin Lynch? Is it one of the other many names? I think Taylor, we were talking earlier, Nelly Furtado is going to be there. Uh, Cowboys always brings it when it comes to some of the top acts at Stampede. So let us know who your favorite act is uh, coming to Stampede this year with your first and last name on the text, and you could be a winner of uh, a couple of tickets to go to the Calgary uh, the Cowboys Cook-Off Barbecue Invitational going down at the Calgary Stampede later this month. Uh, later next month, I should say. I'm not in July yet, Taylor. We're almost there, but not quite. And Chef Rush is going to be there. Got to go Gotta go see some barbecuing. Yeah, you get to go see Chef Rush. We were learning about Chef Rush today. Uh, Chef Rush is maybe the most intimidating human I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, if I'm pretty sure his bicep is bigger than my head. No, him and Pat will literally be going bicep for bicep. Uh, if you don't know who Chef Rush is, celebrity chef, he's worked in the White House, uh, big fitness guy. He's going to be uh, the one doing this whole thing at the at the barbecue cook-off for Cowboys on Thursday, July 13th. Uh, the dude is absolutely insanely ripped. Says he does like 2,000 push-ups a day. Big uh, military supporter. Uh, for, for veterans and people in need after you know stints in different uh, different wars and things, so he's big on that. Uh, so he's one of the celebrity chefs coming in on the Cowboys to be part of the uh, the barbecue cook-off. So again, uh, if you want to go down and see this, uh, we got a pair of tickets to give away nine six zero nine six zero. Just need to know your favorite musical act coming to Cowboys for the twenty twenty three Stampede, and uh, we'll throw your name in a randomizer and we'll uh, let you know who the winner is. Before we get out this segment. But again, Pat Steinberg, he's chatted with WWE stars, NHL execs, uh, country music stars, all while on the red carpet at Nashville ahead of the NHL awards. But for Calgarians, uh, there's one star in Nashville that counts a little bit more. That's Michael Backlund. He's the only flame up for an award tonight. He's uh, hoping to bring home the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. He chatted with Pat a little bit earlier on in the day. And uh, Pat caught up with him tonight at the red carpet as well at Bridgestone Arena and caught up with uh, number 11 of your Calgary Flames to see how he's feeling a little bit closer to the NHL awards tonight in Nashville. I'll ask you a couple questions again. What's, uh, what's the red carpet like? Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah, no, it was fun. Um, it was uh, pretty quick and easy. I mean, I went walked up to Marner. Everyone wanted his, his autograph and attention. So it was pretty quick and easy for me, which was fun. But it was, yeah, a cool moment for sure. 
So have you uh, have you been able to take all this in and really kind of just embrace being here and, and all of what goes into being a NHL awards finalist? A little bit, I think, but I think it's going to really sink in more after when, when we go home, sit in the plane and really think about it. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a great time here. It's been short, but it's been yeah, it's a great time so far. Whether you end up winning the, the Clancy or not, just to, to be a finalist for it, and, and even with Darnell and, and Anders and being with those two, just it, it, it has to be, you said earlier this today, that to be recognized for your work. I know that's not why you do it, but to, to see that people are taking notice of it, that's, uh, that's got to be pretty neat for you. Yeah, I know. It's a good feeling. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it makes, makes me feel special and uh, appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I'm honored to be here. It's 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 great to be here. Like you said, even if I don't win, I'm just excited to be here and be part of all this and to be get some recognition. And same thing for my charities, uh, especially Yellow Society Alberta getting a lot of recognition, but also Parachute Pets and Special Olympics Kids Cats Secure. They're all getting a little bit of more intention with me being here, so I think that's great. How uh, how are Frida and, and your dad enjoying it? Oh, they're really enjoying it. They're mad at me last night. They want to go home, but. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they're, they're having a good time, so that's uh, good. It's, uh, it's great sharing everything here with them. Do I, do I sound less hungover this afternoon? <laughs> yeah, it looked like you shaped up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Ah, I don't blame it. Say, did you, did your dad- that's Pat Steinberg with Michael Backlund on the red carpet. Uh, Steinberg got into Nashville yesterday. And uh, look, Backs and, and Pat go back a long time now. Pat's been a, a Michael Backlund stand for, for many years now. Backs has seen him at his best and probably seen him at his worst. And look, Nashville, uh, worst places to be for all these NHL reporters, Vickers, and everybody else down there. Uh, I can only imagine once the work gets done how uh, how busy these guys will be at the various Nashville institutions this week. Uh, Pat apparently in better shape this time chatting with Michael Backlund than maybe he was a little bit earlier today. Uh, thanks to uh, Pat for sending all those in. Uh, appreciate his work out there. He'll be live from the NHL draft and live from Nashville all week long for Flames Talk alongside with Aaron Vickers. Uh, so make sure you're tuned into that or check wherever you get your podcast. Make sure that you've liked and subscribed because uh, the times might change a little bit as we're working in a different time zone with the guys. So if it's not in your regular listening spot when you're in the car, make sure to check out the podcast and get the latest from Nashville with Steinberg and Flames Talk. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. Time for a Stamps report. We'll check in with Matty Rose. Stamps falling to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in overtime at McMahon Stadium on Saturday. They're now winless at home in two attempts and dealing with some major injuries on both sides of the ball. We'll check in with Matty for the latest on the Stampeders. That's next as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we are closing out the hour here on Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. Ben's here. Callum's here. Taylor's here. Making sure that uh, we stay on time, on budget, all those fun things. Maybe not on budget, but the rest of it's pretty accurate. There are outstanding producers here on Sportsnet today. Uh, reminder, you can get the podcast for the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Uh, Calgary Stampeders, 
and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders took it to overtime Saturday night at McMahon Stadium. And it all came crashing down for the Stamps at the end. Jake Mayer goes to the end zone looking for a game-winning touchdown throw, only to be thwarted by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. An interception in the end zone ends the game and gives the Riders a victory at McMahon Stadium, something they haven't had a lot of success at doing lately. Uh, and it's been an unusual start to the season for the Stampeders. Now winless at home, 1-2 and two on the season, and heading into a bye week on week four here of the CFL season and to get us caught up with all things Calgary Stampeders. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline for a live Stamps report with our pal, Matty Rose. Matty, thanks for doing this, pal. How are you? Oh, no problem. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, pal. Uh, Saturday, great night at McMahon Stadium, and it didn't look like it was going to be the most exciting game maybe, I don't know, two quarters in, but we sure got a pretty wild finish at McMahon. Well, that's a CFL, baby. Come on down, watch a few field goals in the first half, maybe a pick or two, a few first downs in the second half. Chaos. And we all love a little bit of chaos, and that's certainly what it came down to. The Stamps were able to throw up 10 points late in the game, tie it up. Rene Parrott is tying a career-high 53-yarder to send it to overtime and then get through that first overtime phase, all tied up, a couple of uh, field goals to get the relative stop on the second overtime only giving up the field goal to Saskatchewan an opportunity to put the ball in the end zone and then Jake Mayer just to toss a little short Nick Marshall made a hell of a play and uh, just like that you're one and two going into your bye rather than two and one that one against a divisional rival who you're going to see relatively soon here coming up again in week six that's a tough loss for the Stampeders especially because they had some big injuries pop up throughout the game too Um, things aren't overly rosy in uh, Stamps land as we get into the bye week here. Yeah, we got to start with that injury news because it's really bad news for the Stampeders. Malik Henry uh, ruptured ACL. He is done for the season. Had a tremendous game. Achilles, yes. Uh, Four receptions on the day. 92 yards and a touchdown in that long one uh, with a little catch and run from Jake Mayer and now his season's over. Topple that with the fact that we headed into this game, Maddie, talking with Reggie Bagleton on the six-game injured list, and the Stampeders all of a sudden looking a little thin at the wide receiver group right now. Well, it's at their skill positions overall with Kadeem Carey on the six-game as well, dealing with uh, a toe injury too. So, listen, your top three skill position players going into the season, really your three veteran players at those positions have all suffered injuries that are either going to put them on the six-game or end the season. And for Malik Henry in particular, it's just, it's rough, man. It's it's brutal for the guy. You hope for a speedy and, and not even a speedy recovery because I don't think anything is speedy about rupture near Achilles, but more of a just strong recovery. Come back healthy is kind of the thing because, you know, we've seen Achilles injuries. You think of Mike Soroka or Max Pacioretty and obviously different sports, but just the way that they are very, very fickle. And uh, you just hope the best for Malik Henry, a guy who signed for a couple of years here with the Stampeders. And, and you mentioned that long play that led to the touchdown for him. Like those are the type of plays that the Stampeders are going to be able to use Malik Henry on this season where quick slant puts his foot in the ground, gets a little bit of a separation away from an opponent, gets the ball and turns on the burners and no one can do anything about it. And, to see him go down in a non-contact injury like that, you just feel so bad for the guy and so bad for the team. And it's just kind of the uh, apple on the crap cake of 
what that game was against Saskatchewan. Heading into a bye week might be a, a little bit of a blessing in disguise. You can kind of assess your situation a little bit more injury-wise if you're Dave Dickinson and company. But how do the Stamps go about this in your mind, Matty? Do you see a trade? Is it bringing somebody in from the oh, free agent core what this team needs to do? Because they're really th- there's really just not a lot of bodies left for this group, period, right now. I don't feel like they're going to go out and get a veteran. Like, I don't think people should be expecting Kamar Jordan to show up here in Calgary ready to go anytime soon. Just looks to be enjoying life, kind of doing the the next phase of his career. So I don't think that's in the cards. Maybe they'll make a phone call, but who knows? The thing for me here is you almost have to think that they're going to just give a couple of guys a call that they liked uh, in the practice or during the training camp. Like Felton Davis was a guy that I thought they liked, but they just ran into numbers. Floyd Allen seemed to be in the same boat. Um, obviously, they got Tommy Lee Lewis, that guy who came up from the NFL, but the, the dude hasn't been healthy at all. This was his first week. He was supposed to come in and, and be a stopgap for Reggie Bagleton. He's hamstring flared up in the middle of the week, and all of a sudden he's on the injured list again. So, it's gotten to the point where, you know, you can't expect anything from a player like that who can't stay healthy. They're in rough right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they go and they try and make a move, but right now I think it's all about kind of giving some more people a little bit of an opportunity. You know, it's, it's essentially a bunch of guys who are at rookie camp. Trey Odoms Dukes was at rookie camp, Clark Barnes and Rice and John and Cole Tucker. Well, Cole Tucker wasn't there because he was still down with Minnesota minicamp, but you got three first-year CFL guys who are going to be having to do a lot more now that with Trey Odom's Dukes, you wonder if Tommy Lee Lewis can get ready, but like, they're going to have to bring somebody in. The question is, is it going to be one of the younger Americans that would be another rookie up here? Or can they find a veteran out there somewhere? I think a trade would be hard to get going at this point in the season, but you never really know with these things. It's, it's a position that's definitely going to have to be addressed. Like talking about head coach and general manager, Dave Dickinson in his first year, having both roles, Here's your first real big challenge, trying to figure this out. Because, oh, by the way, you play the Blue Bombers in week four. Yeah. Week no, five, pardon me. No, no big deal there. Uh, can't imagine that group's going to be motivated. They're only- At least you're not getting them after this last week where they only put up six points and Zach Claros was running for his life. They're going to be mean this week, that's yeah, for sure. Absolutely. How much do you think this is playing on, on Jake Mayer's performance too, Maddie? Because I, I've seen the narrative out there. I'm sure you have too. Stamps fans haven't been in love with the start of, of Jake's play this year, but I, I can't, I'm not at the point where I can fully assess Jake Mayer until we see a, a healthy receiving core. There's just too many young guys for me to put it all on Jake, but where are you on, on where Jake's been this year? He started off, you know, pretty slow against Saskatchewan. That's been a problem. And he finished with just the one touchdown throw and three interceptions. Yeah. Listen, it's, it's tough. Like I, Jake Mayer admittedly is, has got to be better. And I think that there's been times where he's looked better, but then there's been other instances where the deep ball has been inconsistent, that type of thing. Like the short yardage stuff, he's pretty money. And the stamps did a really good job. I thought about in that Saskatchewan game of being able to get Luther and Kunavanu and Malik Henry and Trey Odom's Dukes opening some empty spaces, making the throws easier for Jake Mayer. Like, He's a good quarterback when he stands in the pocket and he's got some time and he can go through his reads and he can get into a little bit of a rhythm. But it's been tough because he's been losing guys left, right, and center. The O-line has been maybe up and down. They've been solid, but there's been – I don't know if they've had a game where they felt like all five guys were kind of churning at the same rate, and that's kind of what you need for the offensive line. So that creates its own set of 
problems. Listen, like the thing is, you could say, hey, Jake, you're having trouble, but you don't have your receivers. That's fine. But the problem is, like, what happens next? Because if you're just going to say, hey, you don't have receivers, you know, brush your hands and say it's too bad. That's the way she goes. Bad season, bad luck, and fold up the tent after four weeks. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Jake has to be better. He has to be better with some of these young receivers, especially putting the ball right where they can make a play for it because these young guys are trying to find their way in the league too. It's a hard task for them. But this is the guy that the Stampeders invested in. This is the guy the Stampeders said, you're our next quarterback. And frankly, I don't know if there's any other better option out there. So this is about Jake Mayer having to go through some adversity early on in his career. We saw some adversity in the playoffs last year for Jake when he didn't have a good game against BC and in the Stamps playoff run. And now he's having another one here where it's how do you get better? How do you improve? And how do you get on the same page as some of these young receivers and make sure that this season doesn't go down in flames because your first three weeks you've had a key injury to your offense, really, in, all, in, in every single game. Can't, can't minimize that, but you can't write the season off either. Uh, one more on the offense before we move to some of the defensive topics. Maddie. how did you feel Diedrich Mills filled in for Kadeem Carey once again in the backfield? I love Diedrich Mills. He's so fun to watch. It feels like every time that guy gets running downhill and the O-line gives him a decent gap, somebody's going to get hurt, and it's rarely him. It's usually the opposition. Someone's getting helped off the field. It happened again last game. I think it was Bola Combo. First play, Diedrich Mills, downhill, smacked him. The guy didn't come back for the rest of the game. So there's instances like that. Um, I think he's really good. I, I think he's a guy that has potential to be a starter in this league a little bit down the road as he kind of gets used to the CFL game a little bit more. Um, but the dude's a smasher. And, you know, if Peyton Logan's hurt, it creates a little bit of a intriguing situation where they're going to be down a running back as well. They had Rich Jean Giroux, who was a, a Canadian running back that they had in here at camp who stuck around for quite some time but ended up being the last set of cuts. So I don't have another running back of Peyton Logan and can't go either. So that, that injury didn't seem as severe, but he couldn't come back midway through the game after like a solid return in the third quarter, uh, was kind of walking around the sideline and taking his pads off and that type of thing. So that's one that we'll have to monitor coming out of the bye week. But I'm a big fan of Diedrich Mills. I like what he does. I think they got to keep going with him. Like This is a team that leans heavy on their run game. And Dedrick Mills is certainly a guy that they're comfortable giving the ball to now that Kadeem Carey is going to be gone for the next little bit here. Stamps defensively, Maddie, I thought were pretty solid for the most part against Saskatchewan. And one big narrative that was dogging them heading into the game, no sacks from the defensive line. They were certainly able to change that uh, in a big fashion against Trevor Harris and company. Derek Wiggin got home. James Waters got home. I honestly thought the pressure from the defensive line and really just that defensive front for the Stampeders because they like to throw different guys at you. Like this year in particular, with the addition of Julian Hauser and Hauser and and how he's able to come off the line and kind of sit back in coverage or almost spy the quarterback and rush with three guys and almost clean up the garbage. Like that's creates a different wrinkle where the Stampeders can send speedy Sam linebackers like Michael Griffin or Titus Wall or Cam Judge or bring someone down from safety like Brandon Dozier, someone off the edge, and create different looks for opposing offensive lines. And I think that's a really key to this Brent Monson defense, having that little gadget kind of player on your defensive line that allows so many different looks from so many different formations makes it difficult for offenses. Now, 
did feel like as the game went on, Trevor Harris, the veteran, started to kind of figure some things out, and the pressure wasn't as heavy, and he was able to kind of keep his feet about him. But for the most part, I thought it was a solid game pressure-wise. I thought they did a, a decent job containing Jamal Morrow. Like, he was able to get some big chunk runs and ended up with almost a buck fifty rushing. Like, I think it was a buck thirty-five or something like that. That's a really good showing for Jamal Morrow. Um, that is something that the Stampeders won't be happy with, especially in the middle where, you know, Wigan and Mike Rose are really stout guys. But for the most part, the defense did a pretty solid job uh, holding up their end of the bargain. A couple guys that we talked about heading into uh, the game on Saturday, Maddie, that really impressed me uh, that I wanted to talk to you about after their performance. Let's start with the Sam linebacker position. This was one we were monitoring because it's such an important one on the defensive side of things for the Stamps. Michael Griffin got the start of that Sam linebacker spot. He winds up leading the team with 11 tackles in the game against Saskatchewan. How did you feel he fit in in a very important spot for the Stampeders? Yeah, he, he's someone that I think has a, a, a chance to be a, a bit of a mainstay in this league. And that Sam linebacker spot, it's, and as Dave, you ask Dave Dickinson, he'll tell you that's a defensive back position. But for the sake of it, the Sam position is a very difficult one in the CFL. It really plays off the safety um, you have seen a couple of young guys come in and really take hold of this position. And Titus Wall, who's currently injured on the one game, though, hamstring injury. And then Michael Griffin. And Griffin's a guy who impressed me going back to rookie camp, even in individual drills. You could tell that he had the ability to cover anybody in the slot. But at the same time, you also felt that this was a guy that was fearless, that had a little bit of size to him as well. And you like to have that. And that's why you see 11 tackles and a quarterback sack come up on the stat sheet at the end of the day, because he's one of those guys that, you know, pretty aware is able to sniff out a play pretty quick and able to gobble up runs once they're able to get past that kind of defensive line for the Stampeders. That's super key as far as limiting a a first down run attempt to, you know, one or two yards versus four or five or six. That's a significant difference in the playbook. So I think that he's really solid in that sense. He had a good game. He had the one sack. Um, I thought he uh, filled in really well for Titus Wall. It it was interesting because as much as I sing a lot of praise for Titus Wall, I really do think they found another gem here in Michael Griffin. And I wasn't expecting the drop-off to be too steep. Not a knock on Titus Wall, but more of a kind of bump up for Michael Griffin, in my opinion. Other guy that I, I thought did a really good job after being targeted early on by the Riders was Kobe Williams. Not only strong in coverage, Matty, but I thought he did a great job coming up and making some key tackles for this team when he was asked about. That's a tough spot of the DB one. We know DB is not always the best uh, sometimes when it comes to you know whether it's breaking through a screen or making a big tackle on a running back. Kobe certainly did a, a great job, I thought, on Saturday. Playing out on that field side, Playing the halfback position, Natrell Jamerson made his uh, season debut at the corner spot. I that there were some instances where they got a little bit caught up, but he did a really good job of making the plays that came to him, right? There was a couple of flags. I think he had a flag late in the game that wasn't too ideal, but there was maybe a couple of instances where he got beat. But overall, I thought Kobe Williams on that field side had a really good game. He was one of the guys that a couple instances where, you know, in the CFL, we see a lot of kind of little receiver screens. You know, the quick pass is so deadly in this league. Just get it out to your skill guy. Expect that some of your big Canadian receivers can lay a couple blocks for you and grab seven or eight yards and, and move on to the next play, right? Really popular play. The Stampeders, I find, 
especially with guys like Trey Roberson. Jonathan Moxie was a monster at this when he played the field and corner. He's just getting around that initial block and sniffing out a screen. And I think Kobe Williams did a great job. There was one play in particular where the dude who blocking him may as well have not even bothered the way that Kobe shed him so quick and was able to get to the tackle, got a five-yard loss on the play, and that was late in the game and kind of a big one for the Stampeders as far as stopping the bleeding and allowing them to get back and even tie it. So I thought Kobe played really well. This is a guy that the Stampeders liked last year, but injuries kind of derailed his season. And uh, coming back into the year, you had a feeling that he was going to be given a chance to get a starting spot. And frankly, the way that he played in training camp, that led to the team letting go of Brad Muhammad, who you got to know Kobe Williams is definitely going to be a cheaper guy than Brad Muhammad. If two guys can do the same job and one costs less, you know in the CFL which direction the team is going to go every single time. So what's key now, Maddie, in your mind for this team heading into a bye week? Obviously, getting healthy is a big one early on for this Stampeders team, but we're just not used to seeing a one and two start with two losses at home. And you mentioned it. Uh, it's hard not to look at week five and realize you got to walk into Winnipeg against a very good Blue Bombers team. What do you think is going to be big for the Stamps as they get this time off early in the season? Yeah, like injuries are big, right, obviously. But the thing for me is that a lot of these injuries are on the six-game injured list. Like, you look at the one-game injured list from last week. It's Titus Wall, and we just talked about Michael Griffin, who filled in admirably. You'd love to have Titus Wall back in your lineup, move Michael Griffin over to special teams for the time being. That's a fine little move there, but we just talked about the drop-off to Griffin wasn't even that significant. So if you get him back from injury, okay, you're getting a little boost to the defense there. But the other injuries on the one game are Julian Charles, Nick Stats, and Hugh Thornton. Charles and Stats, a couple of young defensive backs, and Hugh Thornton, a veteran offensive lineman who's kind of been battling for time with Caleb Bedenock at right tackle. Like, you don't have skilled position guys that are going to come back and help you out here. They also had to put Tyson Middlemost on the sixth game. Jalen Philpott had that hamstring injury that he had to have surgery on. He's not going to be back until later on in the year. Um, then you look at the, the practice squad. Like I mentioned, Tommy Lee Lewis, he's the only guy on here who's a skill position. They don't have any running backs. They don't have any receivers. This is a team that, given what has happened with Peyton Logan and Malik Henry, they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to find some guys. So the biggest thing is to get this offense going. I think the defense has done their part. You know, there's been instances where Stance can't get any offense going, and as a result, Stance defense ends up being out on the field for too long. And, and the miles start to add up, and it becomes harder to defend in a long game if you're always out on the field. Special teams been really solid, but once again, without Peyton Logan there, you're asking guys like Cole Tucker and Clark Barnes, younger players, to go in and fill a pretty prominent role for you. I've got a lot of co- uh, faith in their coverage teams. I think it's every year one of the best in the league. Credit to Mark Killam and that entire unit, Cody Grace, Renee Paradis, and all the dogs on that special teams unit. Darius Williams was outstanding. Um, guys like Brad Cowan and Charlie Power and Charlie Moore and Elliot Graham, like those key special teams guys, they've been all good this season. The biggest thing for me is how do you get this offense going? And the answer is not coming out of the infirmary bay anytime soon. So who's it going to be? How are you going to do it? And that's got to be number one all week for this buy. It's trying to figure out how can you create something where Jake Mayer can flourish. And listen, he doesn't have to go out and put up 45 points every week. The defense is good enough. You got to get to 30. You got to get to 35, that type of thing. And this team will be able to win some games. Manny, appreciate it. Big week for the Stampeders, even though they don't have a game, just three on the CFL schedule 
The Stamps will be back at it against Winnipeg coming up Friday, July 7th. Appreciate you, pal. Thanks for doing this. Hell yeah. Enjoy the mock draft before all the first-round picks get traded. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon, Matty. Bye-bye. See you, pal. Matty Rose joining us on the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Yes, you'll hear him next if you're listening live. Our mock draft with Sam Cosentino, Peter Labardius, and Jason Bukula. has uh, been running throughout the weekend, and it'll come up next for you uh, here on Sportsnet 960 as the uh, boys did their best to predict what's going to happen on Wednesday for all 32 picks that we're expecting to hear called on round one at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. So that's coming up next with Maddie, uh, And yes, a bye week now for the Stampeders. Uh, just three games on the CFL schedule this week, starting on Friday with Edmonton into Ottawa. Someone will have to pick up their first win of the season. Actually, I shouldn't say that. There's still ties in the CFL. So uh, maybe not. Maybe these two teams that are just terrible remain terrible. But uh, ideally, someone's going to come out with a, uh, with a win. Stamps back in action on July 7th in Winnipeg when they get set to take on the Blue Bombers. Before we get out of here, one more piece of business to get done on this Monday. Uh, it's time for a Jays report catching up after a weekend series against the A's with Taylor Dingman. Time now for the Jays report on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Taylor Dingman. It is yet another off day for the Toronto Blue Jays as they wrapped up a series against the Oakland Athletics Sunday afternoon. The Jays took the series win taking game two and three with the Astros and Angels losses the Jays now hold sole possession of the third wildcard spot in the AL. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. crushed his 10th and 11th home runs this, of the season and finally getting his first at home. Vladdy unleashes a ball to left center field. Going back, Cable. It's gone. His first homer at Rogers Center this season. And the Blue Jays have a 4-3 lead. Rogers Center on its feet. They have been waiting months for Vladdy to hit a ball like that. 434 feet. On Saturday, Jose Barrios picked up his eighth win of the season after pitching six innings with eight strikeouts and two earned runs. Romano also got his 23rd save, tying Emmanuel Classe for the league lead in saves. Danny Jansen also continued his hot streak, hitting his 10th homer of the season Saturday which was the game-winning run, but the Jays would add on a few more runs to get a 7-3 win. Jansen tags the ball to left field. Blade circling back. That ball is gone! Tenth home run of the season for Danny Jansen, and the Blue Jays strike again. Yusei Kikuchi earned his seventh win of the season, pitching seven innings, giving up one run on two hits. George Springer moved into second place in leadoff home runs after hitting his 55th leadoff home run yesterday. And although it wasn't a pivotal moment in Sunday's game, Kevin Biggio hit a three-run shot to secure the Jays' 12-1 win. Kevin Gosman and the Toronto Blue Jays will take on the San Francisco Giants in a three-game series starting tomorrow night. That's your Jays report for this Monday. The Jays will be back tomorrow with a 5.07 first pitch. Catch the Blue Jays all season long right here on Calgary's home of the Blue Jays, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thank you, Taylor, for the Kevin Biggio update. Really appreciate that. Uh, we have to get it in there yeah. every single time. I like that you at least said it wasn't necessary. Uh, <laughs> it just didn't have anything to do with it. I, 
At least you were honest about it. Uh, that's uh... you know, I had to give the final score, and yeah. Kevin Biggio was part of it. Yeah. So fair. fair enough. I can't argue as long as he's hitting home runs, then I think we'll we'll be okay with the Kevin Biggio updates. Uh, appreciate that. Thanks to uh, Taylor Jingman for our Jays report. Maddie Rose with the Stamps report. We're wrapping up uh, a Monday edition of the show. It's been a busy one. Ken Weave joined us from Winnipeg. All things on the Jets and the Pierre Luc Dubois trade, which seems to be making its way towards a conclusion. We went through the weekend that was with NHL trades and trades that didn't happen. We also checked in with our own Pat Steinberg live from Nashville on the red carpet, talking to WWE superstars, NHL executives, caught up with Michael Backlund on the red carpet. He also checked in with a country music star that's coming to Calgary for the Stampede in a couple weeks' time. Tons on the show today. My outstanding producers have been Taylor, Callum and Ben, thank you for all your hard work today. We appreciate it. All of those interviews uh, from Pat and from myself will be up on the podcast uh, momentarily, whenever, uh, wherever you get your podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We will be back tomorrow, inching closer towards the NHL draft on Wednesday. Will we see some movement from the Calgary Flames? Will any of those proposed trades that we talked about on the weekend, whether it's the Flyers and the Blues, Pierre-Luc Dubois to the Kings. Will any of those be finalized? We'll find out uh, tomorrow. We'll be back for another edition of Sportsnet today, live here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.